Welcome to another edition of the Advent Calendar version of the Cood Street Podcast. This is Gary Wolf, and what Jonathan Strawn and I are decided, have decided to do in this lead-up to the holiday system is look at um, a couple of dozen of our favorite books of the year that we're recommending at our year-end list. And today, I'm delighted to have um, M. M. Rickert uh, with us, who's the author of Lucky Girl, uh, How I Became a Horror Writer, a Krampus story. So may, let me start off. Thank you, Mary, for being with us. Uh, thank you for having me. And That's happy a Advent Day calendar. <laughs> yes. I mean, none of us are religious, but there are Advent Day calendars for scotch drinkers and chocolate eaters and this sort of thing. So why not? So tell me about this title. It has a subtitle to a subtitle. I know. It's such a long and actually kind of cumbersome title. And when I um, submitted it, I assumed it would be published online only mm -hmm. and I thought well you know they can handle whatever titles they are in that case so when it got accepted for being you know published in print I thought well somebody's going to tell me I have to change that title and nobody ever did <laughs> um, you know the titles are, are always meant or not always but often meant to direct a, a way of reading mm -hmm. and um, they're sort of uh, the primary part of the novel should be novella should be, and I hope is the story. But there's a little sideways stuff going on, um, speaking to, you know, being published and working in horror and what is a horror story. Mm -hmm. And I I hoped that that title would invite that look a little bit. And then all I I kept going back and forth on whether to call it a Krampus story or a Christmas story. But I, I did feel like I had to say something like that because if it's just Lucky Girl, How I Became a Horror Writer, a lot of people are going to assume it's nonfiction. So, oh, have, um, yeah, it's true, yeah. Yeah, so. so I kept going back and forth with Krampus and Christmas. Um, and I, I landed on Krampus, uh, which is, uh, you know, and there's the presence in the story. Um, and mm -hmm. I would say the strongest presence is atmospheric, though there is a physical presence. But it may not be as prominent as um, some people hope with the title. Well, uh, I think. Yet, oh, I was just going to say, yeah, mm -hmm. if I if I had settled on Christmas story, I thought then, um, even though with the horror in the title, I thought people. I thought putting Krampus in, again, offers the opportunity for readers to understand this sort of overall atmosphere of disease and, um, and you know, a counter narrative to the happy um, Christmas experience. I think, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Krampus has been, I mean, popularized enough. There are quite a couple of movies now and there have been, yeah. in other words, I think it's become kind of shorthand for Christmas horror. But but it also strikes me that uh, having once once you get into the story, the lucky girl, that the meaning of lucky girl changes when you look at it from the view of a Krampus story, and it changes again when you look at it from the view of how I became a horror writer. So, in a, in in a sense, that the, the, those two subtitles kind of cast different lights on the main title. Yes. Yes, very nicely put, and I agree with that. It's a, sort of a Janus kind of experience, you know, of looking both ways and, and, mm -hmm. and what is, you know, what is luck and what is success. And, um, and you know, well, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, although although the, the, the bits about being a horror writer ring true, certainly, and being a certain kind of horror writer as well. Yeah. Which brings us to another thing, uh, because we have uh, talked before about our, our mutual, much-missed uh, mutual friend, Peter Straub, who used a, a, a kind of narrative method, which you've done also, but often in shorter forms, and that is have stories embedded within stories and woven within stories. And for a very short, well, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not short for a novella, but for a novella, there are a lot of stories sort of packed into Lucky Girl. Yeah, I think I really admire that technique. I was thinking, because I knew we were going to be talking, and I was thinking about The uh, Christmas Carol um, Uh by Dickens. And I was thinking about, you know, how really completely elegant that structure is and how it it, it too is a novella, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so. I I think it's a novella. And and he tells a whole, there's a whole life story in there. Just, but the way he chose to go about by having, you know, the spirits of different times presenting these pieces, you really get to know an entire man in a really complete way that I think many novels would envy. And I like that quality of being able to um, nest stories and have have that, Mm -hmm. those different narratives speaking to each other. And I know Peter Straub had a background in poetry and I had a background in poetry. And Mm -hmm. I also was thinking today about, you know, how grateful I am for the time I did spend with poetry, because I think it does, um, it has helped me explore sort of that economy of language with also a sense of expansion and poetic resonance, I hope. Resonance, yeah, resonance is a good word. I was going to use kind of counterpoint because you have stories that play off each other, um, and when it's done well, I love that kind of story. You're right. There are people who want a story to have a beginning, middle, and end, a straight linear plot. There's a monster chasing us, and and we hide in the attic and somehow defeat the monster. Uh, but that sort of story is is like an Agatha Christie mystery. Once you're done with it, it's gone. And the kind of stories we're talking about. Uh, kind of bubble around in your mind for a long time after you've read them because you're putting things together. Somebody, I'm trying to, you may know this, and it's, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but some very well-known, very well-respected writer described your story, Cold Fires, as a perfect short story. Wow. Um, do you know who that was? I think Sophia. Sophia Samatar. Samatar. That sounds right. That could very well be. It's lodged in my memory. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the point she was made, that's an unusually structured story also. And, uh, and I think what she was talking about is that it works like a poem. It has the effects of these juxtapositions and, and different angles of vision that you get in poetry. And to do that in, a, in, in fiction is challenging. To do it, it seems to me, in horror fiction is especially challenging because you're not simply trying to frighten the reader. You're unsettling the reader. Yeah, that's a very good way of saying it. That's what I would hope is unsettling. And I'm not really, I'm not somebody who really, I mean, I know we get, we start out a certain, we get bored and then we grow, you know, but I don't really think of my human experience as being as linear as I think other people do. I think of the human experience being a little bit more round or spiral-like. And I feel Uh like the, uh, you know, which, in my opinion, lends itself more to those shadows and 
and turning and and an ex and the experience of always containing the past and the future mm -hmm. and um so I find that these nested stories and that narrative technique is, is very strong for me um, in being reflective of that experience. I agree. Not I think just it's... being a line. You know, life isn't mm. just a line. That's well. So one of the uh, one of the blurbs on this, uh, the blurb from uh, Sarah Lang, and compares it to, to Straub's ghost story in the sense that it is. A group of people remembering things, essentially. Yeah, I was, was there any conscious connection there? Not conscious, but I have read Ghost Story at least three times. So uh -huh. when she when she picked that up, I was like, "Wow, that was really astute of her," because I can see that it's in there. You know, when well, yeah. I get, I, that's the other thing. Sometimes people ask me who influenced me, and I just can never think of anything <laughs> to say. But come to think of it, yeah, that was you know that's the book I've read as I said, at least three times. And I can see that maybe there is a bit of a seed of that in Lucky Girl. Yeah, and it's part of an older tradition of what uh, John Clute calls clubs. Yeah. Where you have different people getting together and narrating. Things. Been around forever. But let's go on to the other question. We have questions yes. which we promised our readers. What have you been reading lately? Well, um, you know, just last night I read a beautiful essay in the Pushcart Prize anthology. Mm -hmm. And I... It's called What I'll Miss, What I'll Miss by Dennis Held. Oh. And it's it's one of the most beautiful essays I've ever read. And I highly recommend that people seek it out. He um, is a poet, apparently. And again, that sort of um, structure of poetry uh, comes through in this essay that he's writing about dying, basically. Uh -huh. And it's a gorgeous testament to life. And um, it was kind of thing where I finished and I just wanted to hold it next to my heart. Oh. But I've also really enjoyed um, Stephanie Feldman's Saturnalia this year. Mm. And that's a good thing for pe people might want to be reading around this time of that's, year. It's, that's a good point. It's, it's a seasonal book also, although it's... It, it's about a holiday that doesn't really exist in the United States, but, but I don't, might. you know, I don't know if they do something like this or not at all in in Pittsburgh, it's, where I think it's set right Philadelphia, I think Philadelphia, excuse me, um, but it's really fun, and it, you know, yeah. I, I mean, fun in a, a creepy um, end of the world, not end of the world, but apocalyptic, yeah, it's it's um, wintry celebration way. You know, I kept feeling, I told her when I finished it, I felt like I needed to, you know, put my velvet on and, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, go wandering through the dark and seeing what I could find. And she's a gorgeous writer. After yeah, we've, I, we, We've talked to her in this series, and one of the things that I struck me about that novel is that I, I've been to Philadelphia once at a convention, never got... I, and I felt like I could find my way around Philadelphia with the amount of geographical detail in that. Uh, thing so it just had a really distinctive sense of place to it it really did and it and very a lot of texture and you know i liked it so much that when i finished i read angel of losses by her mm -hmm. for the first time and i adored that well this is a beautiful book yeah and then i also um i i was asked to blurb and very happy to do it angel falls by Julia Rust and David Surface. Hmm. And that's it's being marketed as 
YA, I think. Huh. But I think it's one of these books that, um, well, I quite, quite enjoyed it. Again, I, I like atmosphere. I like, yeah. um, and there is a, a darkness to it. But again, it's not um, bloody. It's not, uh, which I'm not against bloody, but that doesn't just really work for me as much as the sense of, um, you know, gothic emotion. Right. And... <laughs> Uh, and you know, heavy in atmosphere, and and also gorgeous writing. So are there I, books? Uh, are, are there? Well, we already mentioned Saturnalia, and we could mention Lucky Girl too. But are there seasonal books that you recommend to people, or that you return to this time of year? Oh, so many! <laughs> <laughs> Every year, I read Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory, and uh-huh. I love that story. And um, which I read the first time when I was. <sighs> either in high school or junior high and just thought it was an abysmal excuse for a Christmas story because there was no <laughs> snow in it. You know, I just I got finished with it and I was like, what is this? Because it was so unlike all the other Christmas stories right. I'd ever read before. But then um, years and years later as an adult, I was like, what was that story with those kites at the end? <laughs> and that, you know, it was such an interesting experience because even though I, I didn't like it, it stuck with me. And, you know, years and years later, I wanted to read that story again. So I do. Oh. I read that every year. Yeah, that's that's in a lot of text. I think it's in high school textbooks, or it used to be anyway. Um, I, and I, my, my experience of the story was a little like yours, except at some point I realized, wait a minute, if you're growing up in Alabama, it's not going to be a snowy winter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was a great shock for me. I'd read it yeah. in a woman's magazine, you know. Cool. Yeah, it was, you know, when I was growing up, they had Good Housekeeping, Red Book, I think Ladies Home Journal. Mm-hmm. My, my mom didn't buy these, but I think my grandmother didn't. She'd bring them over. Um, they always had, you know, one or two or three Christmas stories in them for, um, well, for the December issue. Right. And it was in there as a, obviously a reprint at the time. Um, and I, you know, again, but now I love it. And then I always read um, A Child's Christmas in Wales mm-hmm. by Dylan Thomas, which uh, I also quite love and is beautifully written and has um, some wonderful snow scenes. And when my my mother was dying in December and we were you know, standing around her hospital bed for many days while she was going through this process. You know, I actually read out loud from this to her. Mm. And um, I read some of the snow scenes. And it was snowing at the time, too. I I don't know if it was a comfort to her, but it was a comfort to me. And I just think it's beautiful writing. And it's it's kind of about letting go. And it's about memory and um, and I may be misremembering, but isn't there a recording of that by Dylan Thomas? I think there is. And there's a little, what was it on? It might have been on, it, I don't know if I saw it on YouTube, or there's a little a little film. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But if I'm remembering right, you know, it's the reading, uh, yeah. you know, with pictures. It's, it's, it's oh, that sounds done. right. I think that's right. And then recent, you know, more recently, every year I pick up my um, the this book by Al Ridenour, which probably uh, was a great deal of influence on my Krampus uh, novella, which is called The Krampus. 
and the old dark Christmas roots and rebirth of the folkloric devil. Hmm. And it's by L. Ridenour, R-I-D-N-O-U-R. And this is a gorgeous book. I mean, I can't recommend it enough. It's uh, is that a fairly not, recent book, or is that? Uh, I think it is fairly recent. Huh. I'm looking through here. I think it's 2016. Oh. Beautiful. I mean, beautifully researched, very thorough, and then it's actually a gorgeous book uh, with photographs. And apparently, he went to all around to all these different Krampus sort of festivals hmm. uh, and tells the history of them. The regional variations. The These are mostly in Europe, I, I gather. Yes. Well, and I, apparently there, there's a little bit. Well, you know, as we were saying, it's becoming a little bit more known in the states, and I can't remember what city, but there's some city he was talking about in the states that pretty much does a whole Krampus. Now I want to go to one. Uh, I know, I know. I mean, you'd think, I mean, you're in Wisconsin. There, are, There's a lot of, you know, German uh, immigrants around the Milwaukee area. You'd think that would be the right part of the country to be doing crap. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, I did grow up definitely with St. Nicholas. And mm-hmm. St. Nicholas Day was, um, and then some associations with that, which we don't even have to get into that. Yeah. I'm, don't seem to be around anymore, and I'm glad of. Um, <laughs> But I don't remember anything with Krampus. And then also yeah. because it is associated with like the devil, people are so uncomfortable with the devil. I guess so. Um, <laughs> and there's a, I know it's not reading, but, oh shoot, what's his name? The chef, the celebrity chef who died. Bourdain? Yeah, Anthony Bourdain has a little, it's either a YouTube or little Netflix video, and it's a Krampus story that he wrote. And it's it's very short, and it's the kind of thing when when I got done watching, I was kind of like, oh my, but I will say it stays very true to the Krampus uh, spirit. I think, and that shows up in, in Lucky Girl as well, that I think one of the disservices that movies do us is, is convincing people that Krampus is just a crazed, scary Santa Claus when it's a completely different legend altogether. It is. It, it, it is. And I think that um, the one thing that I try to remember is it's not just a Krampus. It's There's a, a herd of them. Yeah, <laughs> and the thing is, is then, and in the United States and even in that Krampus movie, which I do love and Alvard and our least years ago did not love um they kind of make it be just one krampus you know then on the other hand it does seem like myths and our response to them are fluid and changing i think it's very interesting i don't know if you've observed this but it seems like santa claus is going through quite a change you know in in popular culture and in the films right he's getting a lot louder a lot more association with mechanical existence and then a lot of well i don't know a lot i mean this is just me and so this is apocryphal but the you know i do know people who just are not raising their kids with santa claus um yeah i can and i think there's some uh, there's some dark Santa Claus movie coming out for this yeah. Christmas season. There was one a few years ago called Bad Santa. So I think, and there's also, I think, with with current sensibilities, there's uh, 
a weird no, it's a notion that it's kind of weird to be celebrating what is basically a home invasion. Uh, I know. <laughs> I, mean, it's, you I, know. I, I get it. I'm like, so, but it, it, it does seem interesting to me that the response to it seems to, uh, you know, it's, I keep thinking, wow, you know, I'm living through the time where they're, you know, they're killing Santa Claus, <laughs> you know, what's, what's going to, I hope something rises in its place that is, a sense of magic, and um, I personally really like the Christmas witch. You know, I'm I like that a lot, and I like some of the more feminine right. ideas. I don't know; it'll be interesting to see. But it, but Santa Claus is definitely you know becoming you know much more associated with yeah. the dark and the mean. And um, well, and let's go. You know, uh, let me go on to the the final question, which is uh, because we're we've run over our time limit, but I knew we would. What what are we going to expect next from M. Rickert? Well, right now, nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm working. I'm, you know, I, I did have a little bit of a period of uncertainty, really, about my relationship to my writing life. And during that time, I obviously wasn't writing much. And so mm-hmm. in the end, I decided I just actually really love to write. And I have to just, you know, let go of anything else and mm-hmm. just let myself have a good time writing, which I do enjoy. And I have had very nice things happening, but there was a little little struggle, you know, for a, a while. And I mm-hmm. I let myself be in that space. So now I'm working on a, a wintry horror horror short story that is coming together, I hope. But it's been it's it's been a bit of work to get it. I, mm-hmm. I like it right now very much. And then I have another sort of wintry, dark story. And then I have something in the drawer that's a novella-ish mm-hmm. thing. We'll see if I remain. I'm not sure that one's going to, anything's going to happen. With. So I don't have anything submission. I don't have anything planned. But hopefully that. Well, <laughs> and in the meanwhile, Lucky Girl has been out since, what, October or something? Yes. Uh, and this is the kind of thing I, I have lots of friends who look for dark Christmas stories. It's not it's it's not a it's it's not a downer of a story in the end. As a matter of fact, the how I became a horror writer business of it has. A, so, so so in other words, uh, I think I think people will find it very enjoyable if they can understand that stories weave together like tapestries and it all comes out in the end, which impressed me. Uh, so. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I hope it finds its readers or they find it. And... I believe it will. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Mary Rickert, for being thank with you. us on the podcast. Thank you.